What comes to mind when you think of Libya? Maybe the late Colonel Gaddafi, the 2011 revolution, I don't know, the Western military intervention which toppled the longtime leader? But how about a failed state? You see, it's semi-divided with practically two governments, plenty of armed militias and, yes, thousands of foreign fighters. The UN is warning mercenaries and foreign fighters pose the greatest threat to the country. I'm Sami Zaydan, and welcome to the Essential Middle East podcast, guys. All right, let's bring in our guest. He's following events in Libya for quite a while now. Sasha. Hi, Sammy. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Sasha Toporich. I'm the Executive Vice President at Transatlantic Leadership Network from Washington, D.C., currently in Istanbul. Brilliant. So Libya's been going through its flare-ups and downs in violence. How do you see the current situation? You said it at the beginning very well. It actually is in danger to slip into a failed state. I'm so heartbroken for the Libyan people that since the revolution and high hopes for a democratic change in their own countries for a freedom, freedom of expression, freedom of dignity, freedom of life, I'm an optimist, Sasha. Are those hopes really dead? Well, they are not really dead, but they are far from being yet achieved. And the latest report, if we look from the panel of experts by the United Nations, said so. Look, if you have a country that actually have reports of torture, rape, slavery over migrants, so vulnerable, heartbreaking and so disturbing and so lawless and weak institutions of government that can prevent from these happening. And you have every year over a thousand of migrants droning from Libya shores trying to get away to Europe. Indeed it is. There are so many foreign different mercenaries, militias, so many local militias. We have been talking for sure about the issue, the arrival of people coming from Syria, former fighters, and not only from Syria, also from Sudan and from other countries in the neighborhood. This is part of our concern. A UN estimate suggests there are 20,000 foreign fighters. Is that accurate? It's hard to say. Let's take the Chadian rebels. Now, they're predominantly based in South. And now that the funding, particularly from warlord Haftar machinery, is less, then they turn into the gold mining, or they turn into the smugglers, or they turn into criminals who are actually kidnapping the smuggled people and then reselling them for a much higher bid back to the smugglers. Wait a minute, let me just clarify what you said there then. So some of the foreign fighters there are also engaging in gold mining and people trafficking? Is that what you're saying? Oh yes, it's like Kori Bogudi is the twice of the size of a London, the biggest gold mine field that is on border between Niger, Chad and Libya. And it has been known even during Gaddafi time and before as one of the main smugglers' routes. And so the fighters from Chad who were fighting on behalf of Haftar 
figure that it's more lucrative to just become a gold miners. And then if that doesn't work out, then they become smugglers. And there are some reports, I personally can't confirm them, but from valid sources, that per person you get 5,000 euro per fighter when you actually escort the drug traffickers in. All right, so those are the Chadians. Who else are amongst the ranks of the foreign fighters? Who are we talking about when we use this term foreign fighters in Libya? Well, two African groups, Chadians and Sudanese. Sudanese are actually, some are signatories, some are non-signatory of the Juba Peace Agreement that concluded in late of 2020, I believe. They were funded by United Arab Emirates, and that was the main source of income for these movements in Darfur until actually pretty much last year. And if you look into the casualties of a dreadful invasion of Haftar forces on Tripoli in 2019, Sudanese fighters suffered most casualties. So obviously, when we talk about Libya, the name Haftar has to come up, doesn't it, Sasha? Who is this man? How did he rise to power? Well, colonel in Gaddafi's army who was in charge of Libyan forces that were fighting war in Libyan war in Chad, and he was defeated and humiliated. And together with a hundred or so soldiers, he was taken by the U.S. At the time, you have to understand, for the U.S., Libya was the most problematic country. It was a source of terror. And the U.S. had a huge interest on getting anyone with any insights on Gaddafi, his networks. And Khalifa Haftar was the ideal man. He was brought back to Virginia. He lived near the Langley, the uh, U.S. CIA headquarters, and become an American citizen, opened some companies. And look, after the revolution, he decided to go back to Libya. But I think he made a lot of wrong steps. And if you would read my writings earlier, to be really fair, I've actually supported Haftar as a part of a solution for Libya precisely because I understood the transition from the strong man that Gaddafi was for four decades for the Libyan people cannot suddenly want the magic wand and say, oh, now Libya is a democracy and we are going to be a new Switzerland or United Kingdom. It doesn't work that way. And having somebody with an authority with an experience, somebody who was also repelling Gaddafi, somebody who experienced the brutality of Gaddafi, now, could be an important player in a security establishment of Libya. Now, forces loyal to Khalifa Haftar, they aired video of what they said was Syrian fighters in Tripoli a couple of years ago. I want to play that clip. Let's just listen in for a second. The issue of Libya is true. $1,500 for fighters. Protection of facilities is $800. So, Sasha, who are these people? Are they mercenaries or are they from organized military units which have been sent to Libya? So, yes. Semi, there are two sides of the story. So if we go back into the April of 2019, when the Secretary General of the United Nations visited Libya, there were preparations with high hopes sponsored by the UN of the Gavanes Conference that was supposed to bring political leaders to finally bring these tribes, dignitaries, political elite, academics together and patch together the broken nation 
and make peace. And suddenly, out of the clear sky, Haftar attacks Tripoli. And backed by the Emiratis, financially, Saudis, supported by Egyptians, and the whole hell break loose. So, in short, then Turkey, invited by the internationally recognized government, steps in uh, the MOU signed by the internationally recognized government, and Turkey was a ground for Turkish legitimate army to repel Haftar. And so Turkey brings in Syrian fighters from the territories in Syria that they control, while Haftar was already preparing way before Chadians, Sudanese, Syrians. So there has been enormous PR effort paid by the Emiratis to spin the narrative internationally, to portray Khalifa Haftar as a person who is fighting terrorism, a person who is bringing Libya together, for example, for France, who we discovered, I mean, the world discovered, javelin missiles that were given to Haftar during his invasion of Tripoli. And we will come later on a Wagner group, very unfortunately, that Khalifa Haftar became the key Russian person in Libya, who facilitated bringing the Russian Wagner group, a very dangerous and problematic move, who was printing billions of dollars of money, endangering the fiscal and microeconomic stability of Libya. Who's paying for all these people? We've got the Wagner group, you mentioned the Sudanese, the Chadians, the Syrians. Who's providing money for all these people? Emiratis. And actually, the panel of experts earlier in the day at the United Nations. This is the UN panel of experts. Exactly. At least $18 million of uh, military equipment was made through a Jordan-based company funded by Fulcrum, Fulcrum Holding from United Arab Emirates. And they were also purchasing French-built attack helicopters from Gabon to be deployed in Libya. And they were a certain personnel traveling to east of Libya through Malta, etc., etc., etc. Emiratis-based company shipped over 11 thousand tons of jet fuel to eastern Libya to support Khalifa Haftar. Right, and you mentioned the UAE, the role the UAE plays in financing militias on the Khalifa Haftar side. Who provides support for the internationally recognized government? It's been reported Turkey and Qatar are playing a role. I believe the Libyan government itself, because it has the money coffins. That's the exactly why the outrage of people from the east is of trying to move the capital from Tripoli. That was an idea earlier to be in Tobruk. There was recent ideas to be in Sirte because the entrenched political elite is actually feeding in their budget. I think Qatar was involved earlier, but I think for years now, no. I think Turkey is supporting their own military structures and personnel there. I believe this really mostly, maybe they do finance certain militias. They have very strong presence in Libya. And I think it was actually thanks to Turkey that the Haftar was repelled. And then I take it from what you said, there's a degree of some government complicity in the West in providing weapons directly or indirectly to some of these militia? French government has been implicated. Clearly, the evidence is self-evident. I wouldn't say the rest of the Western world was implicated in it, but France had a very a different role. He has a very strong ties with the Emiratis, is supportive of a naval blockade called 
Irini operation that even diplomats were calling as a major irony and hypocrisy that does block the Mediterranean Sea, but does not block the thousand-mile-long border between Egypt and Libya. But silently, through funds from the Emiratis, through machinery and guns from Egypt and many other countries, we are going to supply weaponry to Khalifa Haftar. Sami, there's also something else to some of these players. It's a question of autocracy versus democracy. And I think Libya deserves democracy. I know so many wonderful young Libyan educated, smart people. They need and they deserve a better future. They deserve to live in a system that will not be one-man show. Why, Sasha? What is the interest for other countries to want to see Libya return to a Gaddafi-style autocracy? Is it a fear of democracy spreading throughout the Arab world on the part of some Arab regimes, which are also autocratic? They don't want to see democracy spread. What is the interest for Western countries that you mentioned in wanting to see a strongman come back? Well, I think, number one, there is a lot of misinformation that were placed. The misinformation, one being that it was actually Khalifa Haftar who was a helping fight ISIS. And it was actually the security forces and the Libyan, legitimate Libyan army, then under Saraj, who was working very closely with the US AFRICOM that were, and the militias from the West that were actually deserving all the credit to liberate Sirte from the ISIS. But the spin of it was that the Libya is not ready for democracy and that due to the resurgence of Ansar al-Sharia, due to the resurgence of ISIS, the most comfortable solution for the time being would be that there is a strong fist that would rule Libya, which the failed attack on Tripoli showed the world. Well, just to be clear then, when we talk about the foreign militias, they're fighting for all sides, right? Not just Khalifa al-Haftar. True. You have Syrians fighting on behalf of Turkey, but the predominantly foreign militias, all others that I have outlined, do fight for Khalifa Haftar. There was a fabulous report at the New York Times back a year or two years ago, rule of an iron fist and total blockade of the East. And then you have these a Western diplomats coming and say, oh, we should have an elections, free and transparent elections in Libya. But there's a real serious question. Can these be a free elections? Who will dare to vote in the East? Who can? We have a problem of political biggering disguised under the sign of democracy, which is anyhow a problem in such a transitional state that they need to learn how to compromise. They need to learn how to share. Now, the country that has been under iron fist of Gaddafi as for so many decades, how can these people learn that their mentality, it takes time, their mentality is still, you know, somehow with the reminiscences of how the Libya was ruled under one man. So each politician in a certain way in Libya considers himself like the most important individual. And that is really a big problem. But time will solve that problem. So how much of a threat are these foreign fighters then to security and stability in the country from what you're saying? You know what? In the long term, they are. I talked to some friends who, like me, are observing Libya closely. 
And we discussed, wait a minute, if there is a political agreement for everyone and there is a constitutional base agreed, which would exclude criminals, people who are charged for war crimes. So we spoke a lot about the Haftar militias. There's also militias fighting for the internationally recognized government though, right? There is. And the difference between East and the West is that the Western internationally recognized government is heavily corrupt. And through, for example, they would issue to their business associates letter of credits and they would change, they would issue them in currency that then they will take the money out, change them in a black market, earn triple-folded money. That's why the U.S. was very insistent on stabilizing the currency of a Libyan dinar. So these militias are fed financially by the various political elite in Tripoli and Misrata that are holding grip to a power. And what you have when there are clashes of these militias are purely the clashes of who pays more and who is possibly endangering them to keep receiving enormous amount of money for their presence, for their protection, for their loyalty. Given what you're saying, though, Sasha, this is a much bigger game then than simply looking at the individual foreign militias, right? It sounds like the militias, as much of a security threat as they are, they're really just pawns in the hands of bigger powers playing behind the scenes. Yes, unfortunately, and I think you're fully right on that, Sammy. And, you know, I would even come to a very controversial point if there is an agreement that there indeed, indeed would be a free, transparent and fair elections, that the foreign observers that would consist of, for example, Greeks, Turks, French, Brits, Dutch, Americans, and host of African and the neighboring countries, but that they would have a free access to every single poll station and that they will not have any hindrance I would even suggest if the foreign fighters, as exactly what you said, would receive an order from their bosses and their sponsors to accept and to facilitate and actually serve as a security, then in a shorter term, that would be maybe even positive thing. So really, they can't be peace then until the wider regional and international powers reach an understanding over their interests. Exactly, exactly. And I would just to that end compliment the very, very recent U.S. Ambassador Norland and Special Envoy, Mustafid Initiative of the Distribution of Oil Revenues. And it's a short-term excellent solution that could provide funds for basic matters, for pensions, for subsidies, grants, education, health. What would really Libyan people that are deprived of, semi people in Libya, sometimes don't have 18 hours per day electricity in the summer times. They live in a dreadful conditions. And so if the oil revenues would be agreed to be shared equally, if that key issue for which all of them are fighting for would be agreed upon, I believe certain other elements may start coming into a place. Well, take us through then, who are these bosses? Who are the international powers? I mean, it's been reported, and I think you mentioned France, the UAE backing Haftar, Turkey and Qatar have been reported to be backing the UN-recognized government in Tripoli. 
who are the powers that will ultimately decide what happens with these militias and what happens with Libya? I think neighboring countries, rightly so, are gaining a momentum of suggesting because it's a question of security of border crossings. It's a question of security of oil and other commodities smuggling from, let's say, Libya to Tunisia, which occurs continuously. There is a legitimate fear that Egyptians have on infiltrating certain militias and uh, terrorist cells into a Sinai and Egyptian territory. So Egypt has a big role and can play a positive role in Libya. In general, you will have to make UN Security Council, which then brings us that Russia will have a big saying. And Russia has invested a lot through Haftar and Wagner Group that actually does secure and blackmails the crescent, the oil fields in Libya. I think, you see, Sammy, we are talking about Libya, and this is always what I think of. People don't talk about the Libyan people, and Libyan people are really suffering. My heart really goes for them, honestly. And I think that they were burning parliament in Tobruk just the other day. What has this parliament done in Tobruk in the last five years for Libyan people? Who has legitimacy in Libyan government? Nobody. The government that expired with a failed elections on December 2021 still may have most legitimacy, but it has to come and should actually get support with international community to really put these political elites together and find a compromise solution on a constitutional base and then really run the elections. It's a structural set of problems. And as much as people talk about the foreign fighters and militia, yes, there is a need for militias to be integrated, but we need to look finally into the realities on the ground. And I had argued back in Washington, D.C., Turkey could be as a NATO ally with a more enhanced role in Libya, training legitimate Libyan armed forces. But if it will be orchestrated and signed off by also France, and if it will be joint effort to bring inclusiveness that will go throughout the country, it could really start building a security infrastructure, the legitimate security apparatus that will start emerging in a bigger strength that belongs to the Libyan government. And in that case scenario, the presence of the foreign fighters that are protecting interests of certain governments, I would then consider even less relevant. What will 2000 Wagner fighter be able to achieve if there is a strong Libyan army that could actually, with support from a NATO member that is already on the ground, could eliminate them pretty much in a single day? So the key is a political pressure that will, and what it means concretely, in my view, make a threat to the sanctions to all the three members of a presidency, to everyone in the government, not just from the US, but from the EU, from the Security Council, tighten the grip to these people, confiscate the assets. Both you mentioned when it comes to issues with parliaments, there's a lot of frustration on both sides of the country, right, with how parliaments are doing. No parliament has legitimacy in Libya. All of these people, their mandates expired. And I am pretty sure that the Libyan people will vote all of them out in the upcoming elections. But on a serious level, to suggest, it's a really holding grip on the power because Libyan people know only too well that they have failed dramatically, both in West 
and in the East. Well, I guess that kind of international action, as we've been saying, is only going to come when there's some more international consensus over the interests of regional international powers in Libya. You know, this has been one of those discussions in which you just go deeper and it opens up so many other avenues. It's been a fabulous chat. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you very much and a great pleasure. And thank you too for listening. This episode was produced by Khalid Sultan. Sound design by George Ilwir. Our lead engagement producer is Ayal Malik and our assistant engagement producer is Munira Dosri. Also got to say a big thanks to our executive producer, the big boss, Amr Saleh. I'm your host, Sami Zaydan. Thanks for joining us, guys. 